EA bought Respawn. Will that kill them, or will they respawn? Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, your other host for a good 32 episodes, Mr. Saul Bridges, and Saul. it's lucky number 33. I'm so glad you didn't forget. Uh, we no, got, I haven't. I will never forget. We got forget. lit up. You'll never forget again, right? Sure won't. Well, Saul. Fire ignited. Until whatever happens to your schedule happens, uh, or you quit jobs, or who knows? <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah until something happens we just don't get to see each other through the week at all so no. here's our weekend session of spending time together what have you been doing this week in any free time that you have had have you played anything um i have not played any destiny 2 which Ooh, is kind of surprising that's yeah that's rare i have played a lot and a lot of final fantasy 14 online so probably 20 hours of that to thirty hours. Pure curiosity. Did you touch Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy fifteen. Nope. Actually, um, Final Fantasy fifteen is what um, kind of motivated me to go back to fourteen because <laughs> you hated it that much. No, I don't hate it. It's I'm just kidding. running around in the open world of fifteen was so bland and in comparison. Dead in comparison. I could yeah. see that. Even I, though I will, I will still stand out. I played fourteen, and I know it's probably changed a bunch, but there's still something just not quite as alive as other open world games about. MMOs, but oh, Final you, Fantasy you fifteen. Retry it. Well, yeah, but even then, Final Fantasy fifteen's open world is weak. It's the yeah. weakest part of the game. Uh, I by no means. I, I, it was a, a first attempt, and it's not just awful. I've seen worse. Right, but that's my number one request with whatever sixteen ends up being. If it includes an open world, it needs. It doesn't have to be Witcher three. But it's got to have something. Yeah. It's got to be, you know, it's, it's at least got to be Horizon. It has to be dense to some capacity. It could be small and dense, and at least it's still dense. And I think that they did take a size over... Uh, Density. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. M- more instead of quality, you know. So it's it's fine. Don't get me wrong, like I said, if this wasn't their first real attempt at a mainline Final Fantasy having an open world, I would have a lot more issues with it. Right. But it's not awful. For their first attempt. And it didn't keep me from enjoying the game completely right. and i've had games that had such bad open worlds that i even though the combat or something would be fun i just really didn't even want to play it uh now this could have easily fell on that verge but because of I mean, definitely now that they've upgraded where you can just drive off road and stuff i'm sure it's a lot easier so it's probably at its best now because you used to have to follow the roads no matter what right i remember that so, when i played it at and launch. that means sometimes you had to take long ways to someplace because there was only a road that went the long way around yeah and so, it took like three to four minutes exactly even more extra so yeah and don't wrong to get the platinum i avoided driving the car as much as i could yeah um even riding the chuckabo even the chuckabo is a fun way to get around without feeling like you need the car right Definitely when you had the car being structured like that i could i could but, see that um, it's super fun for those that have never played an MMO before. This is my first one. Um, oh yeah. So I forgot you told me that. And you can you can play the game for free up until like level thirty or thirty five. Um, and super fun game. If you guys have never played an MMO before, try it out. I highly suggest it. I have five different characters total now. The new expansion uh, increased their subscriber count. I'm sure it did. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, I I'm telling you, like inside each city state, there is so many people that are like grouped up that I had frame rate issues on the original PS4. Have not had that at all on PS4 Pro. But there's just so many people. The Pro and, updates has happened. For yeah. It, yes. it, so okay. it's it runs at 60, um, or I say more steadily than anything. But it doesn't. It definitely doesn't drop frames like it did over um, on the regular PS4. 
But um, it's super cool because it's just it feels so live alive it, you you know you no matter where you go you run into people running around you, you there's an enemy every 20 30 yards of you um there's fates which are like these instances I, that's an acronym for something and i can't think of what it is okay. but uh it's an instance that happens that enemies pop up you got to kill them um so it's just super cool but um that's really all i've had time to play this week um despite 30 hours of it um, what about you though what have you been playing wow okay well i played a lot more assassin's creed origins and i'm happy to say that my fear that it was going to get tiring yeah has not hit yet so it's still and going i've played good. like at least i really ha- i've had a hard time keeping up with how much i've played this week and i haven't just played a ton but i'd say at least 10 hours maybe more realistically 15 hours and i'm still not tired of it i haven't got a lot of of progression in the main storyline because I've been hitting a lot of the uh, side quests to try and get closer to the level requirements before heading into story missions. Um, And then I've also been doing weird things like backtracking and hitting synchronization points that I haven't hit before, which is one of the things that really ends up pulling me in a weird way. Like I don't expect it to, but I always end up like in Far Cry games. I always like, I'm going to go climb that tower first. Right. Yeah. Um, So that's a thing. And then of course the gear cycle, and trying to get gear, there's like these little papyrus puzzles that like give you a vague description of where something is. It'll tell you like wh- which um, area of the world it's in because the map's broken into like little sections. Like one's Memphis and one's like Giza, you know, so they, where the pyramids of Giza are. So anyway, they're all broke Memphis? up like that. Yeah, these are real places in Egypt. I did not know they're that. Just, they're broken up by what regions, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, so it'll tell you like what region it's in and like kind of where. So it'll be like in the southeast region of the whatever of Giza. There's this, and it'll be like something very vague. Like uh, there's a broken ship. Uh, when the when morning comes, X marks the spot, and then you and you're like, what? So I mean, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't done it because it's actually kind of fun. I mean, it makes sense as soon as you get to the broken ship and you see what's going on. You're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but still, and those are all like rare or legendary items. So it's fun doing that. It's worth it too. Yeah, and like. then there's a daily mission from this little kid who's got like a, his own stall that you can get legendary items from or rare items from uh, as rewards from him, and they're timed, so you can only do them every day. And they they get a, he gives you a new one every day, uh, and the item changes. So it's been really good, uh, and it still holds true to like I say. It's like if you take Assassin's Creed and don't move it too far away from what people of the series who are fans liked, but also add in stuff from like Horizon and Witcher. Yeah. Um, it kind of just works out. It's in interesting because there's a couple of side stories that are surprisingly good. Huh? Yeah. Would, I definitely want to mm-hmm. borrow it when you get done with it. Yeah. Um, I actually think you'll like it. And it's funny. Donovan is typically one that doesn't like Assassin's Creed games. I want him to borrow it because he really likes horizon and there's enough of horizon in this. So it sounds just like me that I think he would like it. Yeah. So, um, you know, just saying, and I'm not saying that the game's a perfect analog. There's still a lot of differences, right? But all, everything they've changed has been for the better. Hmm. Uh, and, and I literally I can't think of a single thing that's just extremely weak in the game outside of some cutscenes being optimized to be cutscenes instead of like interactive in the engine because those are sometimes ugly. It's a it's a third per it's a third party multi console game. It's not going to look as good as Horizon. That I, once I kind of let myself come to terms with that, even though it's pretty in its own ways, you start to just kind of not care. Makes um, sense. Every now and then you'll see something just horrendous enough to be like, oh, I noticed it again. But ultimately, not all that bad. So outside yeah. of that, I played that. I played a little more Diablo three. I got the uh, hundred treasure goblins uh, trophy. Finally, we thought it was glitched because I swore I'd already gotten a hundred, but there's no trophy there's no tracker. Counter. Yeah. So I was like guessing, and uh, this is double treasure goblin week. 
for Diablo 3. Uh, so we hopped in, and for every Treasure Goblin you find, there's always two. So That's really interesting. Yeah, so I got it there. and uh, I went to a place I'd never been in the game, even though I played this game millions of hours. It's called The Vault, where the Treasure Goblins come from, and there's a cool boss fight at the end. Huh, I really need and there's to a lot of treasure goblins in there. It's re- it was really cool. It's probably one of the coolest things I've done. Um, and then I played um, a good bit of SteamWorld Dig on Vita, which is what I've been doing before I go to bed at nights for like at least an hour. Yeah, it's that, very it's like that mother load game and super mother load super game mother I told load, you yeah. where it's like you start on the surface. Now I like that super mother load has got some differences. Like it's as long as you're floating right, you can hit a thing, and even if you're in the middle of a tunnel, you can start digging over. Whereas this one, you you have to be landed before you can drill. Uh, didn't so you, didn't you criticize SteamWorld Dig like last week on no, the show? You I didn't. No, I've never played it. I thought we were uh, thought we were talking about that game or something in some form or some capacity, and um, it was kind of one of those things. That would do it. Grandpa, I'm busy. Oh, okay. Yep. And we'll just cut back in. Sorry for technical difficulties there. Um, yeah, it's called Grandpa. Um, yeah. That's what happens when you take care of old We might people. not even cut that out. You know what? I'm not going to cut it out. Okay, just leaving Grandpa it. just walked in the room. but I, I hate that there's a sign and he still doesn't read it. Yeah. We're going to have to get a big red light. Big neon We, we talked about it. It's a big yeah. neon line. Uh, but um, but yeah, so I, th- I thought for some reason. Maybe it was, a, it was a game where it's about specifically for Switch, I remember talking about. Uh, SteamWorld Dig wasn't a Switch game. It was a actually started life as a 3DS game, and then worked its way over to PS Vita and PS4. I've been Switch? debating getting it. Uh, SteamWorld Dig Two might be now because that just released. No, I thought it was. Maybe I'm getting confused with another game. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. But I've definitely never criticized it. I've I've had my eye on it multiple times, but I never actually ended up doing anything with it. Uh, and then finally, since you know I've I've got PSN credit right now due to uh, an unnamed third party thank you very much uh i decided to pick it Many up things. i was like you know this is cool it just it's it's less of a risk of me definitely with me being the only income in the house so i went ahead and took the chance on it and i'm glad i did it's, it's really fun and it's fun to be playing my vita again so huh. uh yeah. there's actually a game that i want to talk about uh in the main section because we kind of have two topics in a sense it's more main one that kind of leads into another one yeah um so let me i'm just i'm announcing that just to let you know um but i guess uh you may go ahead and head into the drop yeah go ahead Okay, roll um, through the the drops kind of interesting this week. It is. Uh, uh, there's one game that we swear we said last week, so like we'll just games, leave that maybe. up to y'all. Um, and uh, for those that don't know, you can always find us on podcast services around the globe. Hey, we completely forgot about look that. Look at that. Uh, we have Ashes mm. Cricket for PS4, ATV Drift and Tricks for PS4, Ben 10 for PS4 and retail or digital and retail, Cat Quest for PS4, D Blob for PS4. Demon Gaze 2 for PS4 and PS Vita, both okay. out Sequel. physically and digitally. Yeah. We have the Elder Scrolls 6. 6. 6. I wish. 5. Skyrim VR. Far From Noise for PS4. Knights of Valor for PS4. LA Noir for PS4. Yeah. Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 for PS4, both physically and digitally. Outcast Second Contact for both uh, PS4. Both PS, both physically and digitally for PS4. <laughs> Road Rage, both physically and digitally, and School Zombie or Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter for PS4 and Sims 4. For super PS4, in, super interesting. Yeah, I may pick that up. Big game uh, of the week: Star Wars Battlefront 2. Not picking that up. Big for a lot of reasons. Yep, not picking that up now on release. We'll go into that in a little bit. Um, Tokyo Tattoo Girls for PS Vita and Valhalla for PS Vita. Okay. With some interesting numbers in the name there. Uh, one yeah, thing I wanted to throw out cool. there is that uh, definitely now that I got the PlayStation credit card and get the free 5,000 points to get $50, $50 PSN, 
I am probably going to pick up Skyrim VR now. I was going to steer away from it, and I don't want to pay for it out of my own pocket. Uh, but I will give it a chance because I'm happy to announce that. Remember I said that they were looking into traditional control scheme to where you could actually walk instead of teleporting? Yeah. It's there. Okay. And they had a big video with GameSpot showing them playing through it with this control scheme. And it's really interesting. You move uh, forward by holding, I think it was the left um, move button on yeah. the move controller. Uh, and then you can flick the camera by hitting the circle and the triangle that are on tops. Okay. Uh, you can flick the camera, but also you just kind of move your arm and your head at the same time kind of to control where you're going. But it looked really smooth and fluid. It looks interesting. The level of control, like I, the more they show it, the more I'm like, I'm kind of understanding what all they had to do. I still don't think it should have been $60 again. Uh, that's my biggest catch is that I feel like at it be most 40. it should have been 40 Yeah. And realistically, considering they just did a re-release, 30 that's true too. Uh, yeah. But I'm not going to get into pricing structure. But there's enough of like you know fully having to where you know used to when you shot a spell it was always right in front of you. Yeah. Now you can aim the spells wherever and they go wherever. So technically you can essentially aim to, at two. Uh, uh, the, say you have flames on both hands, you can aim one hand of flames at a dragon and one hand of flames at like a warrior over here. Makes sense. Which that, is that's cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, that's how I would definitely want to do it. In yeah, and they do. A, there's a lot of VR options as in like when you're sprinting, uh, it'll it'll put like a black narrow down like it's focusing on where you're sprinting at you can but there's a slider where you can pull that further back or you can completely get rid of it but a lot of people said they like it because it makes it feel like you're like you know when you're running and you're you don't focus it's like you're more focused on what you're looking at to where you're where you're going to be running and a lot, the guy who's playing it said he liked it i think it looks interesting and i just i do like the idea of playing a full-scale game like that in vr doesn't matter if it's you know if it's six years old Six because, years old today, by the way. Yeah, 11, while we're recording, today is the eleventh. So that is super cool. And we have our me and Annie's anniversary tomorrow, so that's gonna be super cool. Whoop. So anyway, uh, I just thought that was interesting. So it's probably my realistic most exciting game for this week. I think Sims is always an interesting game, and I'm sure Jonathan's gonna end up picking it up. Shout out shenanigans and such. Um, but I'd be interested to see how many people I personally know who picked that game up. Um, yeah, because I, I know a lot of people that like The Sims, but or steered away from some of what they liked. I'm going to definitely ask Annie about it because she's a huge Sims fan, and um, uh, she'll probably buy it, depending on the price. If it's 60 bucks, probably not. I think it is. Probably not. This is its then. first time being on console, and it comes with all the DLC. Okay, that okay, that might be a good enough reason. So, but that supports a pretty decent price point, I guess. Yeah, even though they closed Maxis down, you know, the original developer. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Who, who that bought that? Um, nobody. I mean, that's, no, that was e oh, EA. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's No, a, trust me. There's a lot of discussion going on. Very there's, trend. There's, you know, someone shared on our Twitter last night a little picture that showed uh, some stuff, and it was sometimes it was the legit death, and sometimes it was like the spiritual death of, of a company. It was like BioWare was on there, even though BioWare still exists. But it's like the BioWare that was made. Right, they got to then. use the engine they wanted. Yeah, it was just... Mass Effect, Frostbite and Mass Effect Andromeda is garbage. I mean, it's not near as good as the engine of Mass Effect. Well, I'll say that. Mass Effect 1 had a horrible engine. I'm not even still, that Still game. better than Andromeda. In my experience, you know that I only ever played it on Xbox, yeah. and originally, I got and that I, game at launch on Xbox, it was dirt. No, I did too, and I still think it's better than... I than, had no problems with Andromeda, personally. No. But you did you ever play Andromeda on a pro? No. That might have been but, why you had... But it's the facial stuff that's the... Oh, yeah, but take the facial... Nah, but the facial it. stuff, don't be wrong. It, it should have been leaps and bounds better, but it wasn't as bad as... You know what I'm saying? Some I get, of that stuff was It shouldn't ridiculous. have even been close. But it shouldn't I'm even have been a, a current-gen game. But let's. But moving away from all that, it's Can just, you imagine Titanfall and Frostbite funny. engine? That's going to be super weird. If it's going to be in Frostbite. It has to be. 
all of EA's published games have to be on Frostbite. That's a part of their agreement. I don't know, though. No, that, I, I'm telling you, though, that's, that's, that's the truth. Well, I'm not saying it's not the truth. I'm saying I don't know with this thing. You don't know what negotiations were had moving in because Titanfall Every, 3 was apparently already in development. Well, yeah, because... Uh, so what happens? Are you, do you really think they're going to shift development to Frostbite and have to restart the whole game? This may be the one-off game that maybe. gets to move around Hopefully it. Not. Or they, when moving in, they might have been like, hey, with the type of games we make, this makes more sense for us. Well, in this buyout, can we negotiate that we get to use this for even the next two games or I could, whatever? It well, be. I could see the buyout thing and it kind of progressing through three because Titanfall two was super fun for like fifteen to twenty hours. The, the, I didn't play multiplayer; it just wasn't for me. I know you did. Yeah, that's um, that's, I, that's all I played. Even though I heard the campaign was really campaign was good. fantastic. Do you still have it? I'm fairly positive. Yes, I do. Okay, I might borrow that and play through the campaign. Again. Yeah, it's very good. I think you would. I actually really think you'd enjoy it. But moving on, we'll get into all that stuff in Give a little bit. Give me a break bit. for uh, Final Fantasy XIV or Realm Reborn. <laughs> Let's go into the news. We've got a couple items. Uh, one of the disappointing ones, and that's the main reason I put it on here, Sony have announced delays for two of the biggest VR games coming, uh, Supermassive, The Inpatient, and Bravo Team. The release dates are now January 24th and March 7th, respectively. So January 24th for Inpatient, which kind of sucks. I was looking forward to playing that this year. And then March 7th for Bravo Team. That's way out. Uh, the moves are to try and have the games be just basically as perfect as they can at release. And I kind of understand that. Performance issues on VR games are much more noticeable. Oh, and yeah. they, they make or break the experience. Uh, yeah, because so, uh, some issues like that can induce motion sickness, which will just exactly. end the experience. So, Nobody wants that's what I'm saying. Sickness. And if the game if the games start life as games that performed poorly on VR make people sick, the chances of them rebounding are low. So I, I agree with the decision, even if it makes me a little sad. Uh, but it is interesting to see, you know, with all the VR stuff going on, that even without those two games, there's still going to be a pretty strong holiday for VR in the long run. Um, yeah, and uh, there's a reader question that's super interesting that we'll go into about Black Friday and VR. Sure. Uh, Bungie have announced performance patches specifically aimed at PS4 Pro and Xbox One uh, to be coming soon. They look to add HDR to both consoles with native 4K on the One X and adaptive 4K on the Pro. The patch is set to release alongside the launch of the Curse of Osiris expansion on December 5th. Um, how do you feel about that one? Can you just give me 60 frames per second, Bungie? Not happening on either console. But native I don't, 4K I don't, I don't believe for one second that you can run in 4K and you can't run in 60 frames per second. I don't believe that one second. I, well, do you remember why they said? Yeah, because of the CPU limitations. Yeah. I Which, still don't believe that for one second. I do. Because I, the CPUs, man, the, the CPUs that are in these consoles are World, not... Call of Duty World War II runs at 60. Well, all Call of Duty games do. But mm. they run in an adaptive re- resolution. They always have. There has to be a way. I'm just telling you, my, like Modern Warfare 2 did not run at 720. It ran at like 680. Yeah, I was going to say it didn't even run. Yeah, it, it it, It's at, like a weird Like a weird thing. 900p gap. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an in-between. But so, yeah, I mean, that's typically I, how I, that goes. I want 60 frames. As of right now, I don't care about 4K or HDR. I just want 60 frames per second. I mean, yeah. Give me something. These things are coming, and I'm, I'm, I'm already telling you that even with the One X, they did not up the CPU enough. Well, oh, it, I'm sure it's not, a yeah. it's a big, it's a huge issue, and I don't know if it's because of CPU. Really, no. no with all the no stuff excuse. happening with Ryzen, it's no really excuse. surprising that this doesn't have a Ryzen chipset. Right? Yeah. And don't be wrong; I actually don't know what chipset it's running, but my assumption is it's running a very similar chipset. It could uh, to Jaguar, which is what was in the original Xbox and uh, PS4, I, Xbox One, and PS4. You could throw a Ryzen 7 1700X in there, and it'd be good. Well, yeah, but you always they're always mobile versions. 
You got well, yeah, about that. or laptop versions or whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. Or, yeah, they're just considered mobile versions. But there's a lot of things that go into developing a console that I'm not sure why those aren't. It's because actually I know what it is. 4K is the push in the market right now. Why would anybody anybody be worried about 60 frames per second when they're trying to culminate and make 4K this new visual standard? Yeah, 4K is. I agree that most gamers who actually get 60 frames per second often will be like. It's, it's preferable to have it at least as an option. Well, I guarantee you that if one of the companies, whether it be PS or Sony or Microsoft, come out and market PS, uh, 60 frames per second for the first time as the main marketing reason instead of 4K, they'll be praised by tons of people. Um, we'll see. Hun- I, like, I'm not thousands. saying that you're wrong at all, but it's just we'll see. And just, uh, the, the bigger thing is that you, you know, they were talking about with 4K pulling the uh, PC crowd to consoles more, trying to. No, with, it's with, not. With, it's but not. 60 frames per second would actually pull the, con- it the, would, not the PC 4K. people more, in my opinion. They don't give a shit. People on PC are more worried about 1440p 60 frames now. That's becoming the norm than 4K. Yeah, than trying to trying to brute force out 4K right, even at yeah. 30. 4K is good for like, you know, when we go through like The Witcher 3 or kind of those those beauty, the, the pretty games. But in the end, it you want to play the game at its peak, and that's going to be, for those kind of gamers, 60 frames per second. There, or even now, there is uh, weird. was it 144 hertz monitors are becoming the huge thing? Yeah. Or what, is it 120 hertz? No, no 120 144. hertz. 144. And then, yeah, so I've seen people try to build uh, 1440p, 144 hertz monitor setups um, for... I think it was like the Ryzen X or 1700X and now the new 1070 Ti is coming out that people are trying to put in there. Trying too. to couple them together. Uh, and I'm curious to what the outcome of that will be. But yeah, it's like they're on a whole nother level now. It's for, People want 4K and 4K is just not even the thing in PC crowd uh, as it once was. But now it's, it's, it's easier to push and I probably cheaper to Oh, it is because there's push. no uh, 1440p TVs. Well, yeah, but so I mean, it's even thing. then, it's just it's easier to push than 60 frames per second is and... Be, I mean, really? Yeah, it's more so of a buzzword than. Yeah, it's weird because games have to be specifically built around the limitation of knowing that if they if sixty frames per second is a target from the get go, the game has to lack elsewhere. Which all consoles. first person shooters, especially online ones, should be at minimum. Yeah, which I mean, opinion. and then there's times where I think games have done good things. Like I, I don't think that sixty frames per second in Uncharted Four was absolutely necessary. Again, the option would have been nice, but do you remember that they dropped the resolution down to 900p for multiplayer so they could hit 60 frames per second? See, now that's I, I can again. For so that. for I'm multiplayer, that's a, good, that's a good idea. Uh, don't be wrong. Again, 60 frames per second across the board as an option would have been nice, but it does seem like most people are worried about it specifically for multiplayer because that's where it matters more. Now, of course, the argument is that 60 frames per second adds a lot to the fluidness of the campaign when you're playing campaign, and yes, that's true. Uh, but then again, sometimes. And I'm not saying I don't really know where I stand on the argument because the games look good enough and play good enough to me. They're react, they're responsive enough that I don't care. But Uncharted Four and and games of its ilk, where they're very cinematic, say that they try to be closer to 30 frames per second to with which well, to keep the cinematic feel because yeah. you know movies are 24 frames per second. Right, they are. But if you pause a movie, it's going to be blurred. If you pause a video game, it's going to be crisp. That's the difference is the is the way frames actually work. And then between I've, the I've two always and find that. that as a cheap cop out excuse. That I just don't know enough about development to have enough of a, of a opinion like a, yeah. on it. Uh, it. It sounds weird, but at the same time, I do think that and there's a reason Naughty Dog games always look and play well, so as long as it continues to be true, yeah, I don't really care. And the whole thing I said about blurred frames versus vivid frames is like there, there is uh, frame timing that can be used in these games and stuff. I 
my personal stuff depends on the game, but mainly I'm going to stick with 60 frames per second, even though I don't have anything wrong with 30. I like 30. I'll play it, but I will prefer 60 over 30. Well, and there's games where you really feel the day. difference. Like, you remember whenever I replayed Neo Hellblade and, and Hellblade. I flipped over on my second playthrough to 60, and I was like, whoa. And that's one of those games you would think wouldn't benefit that much from it because it's such a cinematic game that, that you know. That yeah, but there's it's to an extent, it's content, it's combat oriented enough. That you feel like you're in the situations enough that whenever it's you feel the six frames action second, packed. it feels good. Yeah. Uh, but either way, the game was pretty. It was funny how good the game still looked in 60 frames per second. But Yeah, it just that's a good testament of what the PS4 Pro can do. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I thought it would be interesting to see. And I think it's interesting they're coming. They're both coming. I don't, I don't want to say so late. I guess it makes more sense to put the update alongside the release of something when probably a lot of people will be coming back. Right, yeah, but, like uh, me. Yeah. Because at this point, I don't even need to do my weeklies next interesting thing which is kind of just goes back to some of the topics we've had in the past and some of the talks we've had bandai namco have released a free demo for a little nightmares it's a puzzle platformer horror game released earlier this year the demo comes alongside a new chapter in the secrets of mod dlc so hey if you have that game and you like it go ahead if you don't give it a try super cool looking uh, game. I, here's my thing the more and more we, we talked about it but it just seems to be continued stacking evidence that they don't want to release demos for games until at least first week sales have gone through, which is crazy because that, that's that that's almost to because me is you no will review get, copies for games. It it's is almost like you have. It is a little hide. different, but to be fair, the, the review copies are there. It's just that they want the impulse buyers to go ahead and buy the game before they ha- they give them a chance to play it I and can see decide that they don't like yeah, it. I can see that as well. And as a gamer who wants to know things ahead of time, I'm wrong. I'm just going to buy a game if I like it because sometimes demos don't do games justice. That's a, that's another thing I'd say. Uh, that's why I think free trials are a little bit better. But then you run into issues like a lot of people didn't like Wolfenstein's opening act. And if you gave a two-hour, the first Wolfenstein. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that game did something um, real slow. And imagine if you gave Wolfenstein, back when it came out, a one-hour trial and all you got to play was the opening act there's a lot of people who maybe wouldn't have even bought the game. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. It gets to be a weird thing to where what's the fine balance because a bad demo doesn't mean a bad game. A lot of people said the Knack demo was bad. I thought Knack 2 was fantastic. It, it was It was super short, and it was, mm-hmm. the, it was the same little Coliseum runs you do in the game. Yeah. So which is like just a weird 20, a weird like choice. Eight minutes, I think. A weird choice. And then it didn't matter in the eight long run because the game was free for most PAL reasons. <laughs> yeah, not not. But, you not know, us, we had Yeah, but World End commented about the poor sales of Knack. Um, and my first thought was just like, well, yeah, the game would sell pretty bad when most people in a pretty big market were able to get the game for free. That's true. I, I never even thought about that in compared to its sales. And it makes me wonder what are expectations for that game, and do they readjust the expectations after the mess up? Because the mess up is not the developer's fault. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you know what so I mean. It's, it's but it's either way, I, I mean, yeah, we're probably not going to see Knack again unless he's like a character in a follow up to uh, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Sony, be uh, be checking us out. I, I tweeted that. <laughs> I was like, I just need it. Um, so anyway, interesting that demos are still coming, but they're just coming late, and it's like a last hell mary to try and get people who were on the fence so much that they wouldn't impulse buy to just buy it, right? By letting them try it and decide that they do like it, but. Uh, next thing up, PlayStation ramping up production of their Move controllers. The reason stated is to cater to rising numbers of of Oculus and Vive games coming to PSVR that will require Move controls. In the same interview, it is stated that the attach rate for PSVR is five games per headset, which is pretty good, uh, and that the ratio of PSVRs on PS4 Pro is higher than that of the standard PS4. That's super interesting, but good for them. 
extremely interesting. And another thing that they mentioned, which I swear I think was in an interview with Jim Ryan back when they were talking about PS4 Pro sales numbers, yeah. is that one in five PS4's uh, sales is a Pro now, which is a pretty good ratio considering is, what yeah. it's catering to. Especially if that's the first one you're getting, you might as well future-proof yourself in the next three, yeah, exactly. three four years. It makes me two, wonder how many people are, are rebuying into 4K you know, again, since that's the big marketing push. Uh, but at the same time, I wonder how many people are rebuying just to replay older games at better performance. Because that's something that really is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one of the smaller game pads that were announced in the UK, I don't know if you remember, the Hori Mini game pad. Yeah, the really uh, cool one. It's getting a North American release, which is smart. I said from the get-go that I, if with all of Excuse their me. focus on family-friendly, uh, casual gamers, I, it really needed to bring this over. The price is a little too much in my opinion, but I'll get to that. Uh, so the controller, which is primarily targeted at younger gamers, uh, is wired. Not that big of a deal. Sacrifices a light bar. Not that big of a deal. Headphone jack. Big deal Kind of a big me. deal. The now that speaker, I got gold, not so much. Yeah. But. The speaker and the controller, again, not that big of a deal, but I do always like the implementation of the speakers in games. Like when don't someone some radio games, Comcast you. Don't they require that in some <clears> games? Or does it, auto, does it play simultaneously? before? No, nah, I think if it's not there, it'll just play on your... TV. Okay. TV. Uh, either way, it's really interesting. I've always liked the use of that, like Killzone, when you'd find audio diaries and it sounded like you were listening to it on a recorder. Yeah, that's It just cool. was nice. I thought it was an interesting thing. Uh, but, yeah, it has uh, no dual rumble mo- uh, motors in it. Uh, they didn't specify if it has some kind of rumble or if there's just absolutely none. I always turn rumble off anyways. Yeah, there's no motion sensors, uh, and this is all in pursuit of its form factor, obviously. It's set to release on December 4th for $30. That seems like a lot of money for something that gouges that's out. A good, that's a good price, though. I think what's that, a regular PS4 controller? Fifty or sixty? I think sixty-four. They sixty-four. They used to be. They used to be fifty-nine on PS3. They went to sixty-four with the DualShock Four, which is you'd, you'd expect probably due to the it's built a lot better, a yeah, and that it's got a little more technology in it. But um, yeah, I mean, I I would probably pay. For I that feel if like I had twenty dollars is is a little bit better considering everything. Hori makes but really good products, though, in my in my. That is true. Hori's, so. very, well, Hori's very well known. Yeah. Uh, that's what my screen protector on my Vita is. My OG Vita, and it still is perfect. Everything I had for my 3DS and my Vita was, was Hori products. So yeah. They make, they make a lot of good stuff. They make the little um, remote play thing that adds triggers to yep. your Vita. They, that's true. Which is really interesting. Uh, a bunch of stores have revealed their Black Friday ads already, which was going to be a reader mail question to an extent. Uh, but anyway, if you're looking to save on games, TVs, consoles, whatever, uh, check it out. There's a couple things like a PlayStation 4 in America is going to be 199 Yeah, it's, and it's the slim one too. Yep, interesting <clears throat> to see. Uh, and the Xbox, of course, because they have to be at least a little bit lower, is uh, 190 <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Speaking of reader mail questions, no fates. Asked us this week. New question: What deals are you hoping for this Black Friday? I'm hoping to see the Play PS Platinum headset. He said, "I uh, I saw the VR for 300 for like Target. I think I think I may pick that up. Uh, but that's low enough. I uh, typically don't uh, celebrate Black Friday. I don't, oh no, I don't, I don't normally take the last thing I bought on Black Friday was." And because literally I went at the very end of the day and it was there. Remember when I bought the Xbox One because y'all were playing and I was like, I guess I'm going to play with them? Yeah. I bought that in the Assassin's Creed bundle on, and they still had like 30 left. This is like 2014. Is this Best Buy you went to? Yeah. I think I remember this. Yeah. And that's the only reason I bought it. They sold a bunch of them and it was on sale for pretty cheap. And I was like, I got a bonus today. I guess I'll get it. Yeah. I typically don't, um, I don't, I don't believe like, I don't, I don't, I don't like Black Friday. I think it's a shitty holiday. I think it's, 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 it's gotten better in recent years. I don't know if you've it's worse this year now. So 
Is it what planned to be? Ro- when I say it's, it's better, there no, hasn't like now, been like people killing people or anything. No, like now stores are staying open uh, up until like they're staying open six a.m. to midnight. And then they're, they're open back up like three a.m. Yeah, it's like what are you? How are you supposed to rest? And you know, in those in those. Yeah, no, hours? I'm with you on it's, that. It's, it's bad big, in ways like that, but that does help to minimize danger. Uh, stocks seem to have been better on things and, so. and letting people well, have more time. The 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 furor over trying to be the first person in has calmed. And because people have started doing Black Friday online, it's a lot easier. That's where it should all go to. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, to an extent, but well, I don't think there's, there's problems exist. with there's Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. I get the plan. And I mean, it's, it's a very market driven. The shady thing. companies that come out with the own like uh, Black Friday specific UPCs that have like shorter power cables and stuff. Have you? Did you I've see not that? seen that. Samsung got caught with that with a 4K TV. It was supposedly the same, like it was same panel and everything, but like they cut costs by like less packing in the box. The the remote was uh, different. The cable was shorter in length. It was only like I think three feet instead of five and a half. If it came with an HDMI, it's a worse HDMI. It didn't come with an HDMI cable. So That's it interesting. Like, yeah, it, it it would. It, it's like they 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 do that. So you're not buying cheap; you're just buying cheaper. In a products. weird, in a weird turn of events, in some cases, and, and I want to look more into the TV, but I've been slowly watching the OLED TVs prices drop. Uh, which has been a thing that, you know, all TV technologies do it. They start off really high, definitely something like OLED that's really expensive from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, they've come down to a point where I think it's the OLED, I think it's the LG B7 OLED is down right now to fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. If that goes on sale around 1200 or less, which is unlikely, but if it goes anywhere in the vicinity of 1200 there's a chance I'll actually just splurge and get it. I could pay eight hundred, but I want to look into the TV first and make sure it's a good TV because there's a there's a B seven, C seven, and the E seven. There's a bunch of different ones. I want to see what the differences are. Why? Because like from the B seven uh, to the C seven, it's like a two hundred dollar difference. From the C seven to the E seven, it's like a four hundred dollar difference. See, I'm just trying to figure out why. I, I can spend a thousand bucks on a brand new phone to. And feel good about it because it's something I will use every single day. It's something I'll spend hours on every single day. I don't watch TV like that. I don't. I, don't, I, I game a lot. Though. Well, I was gonna say even then, that for me is like I am not going to be that big of a difference, or it's not going to improve it that much of a thing to me personally. To, well, me o- to OLED is the one thing because 4K HDR I've already got. Right. OLED is the yeah. next step because man, realistically, it's just how good the black. Yeah, yeah, and like I could have went out and bought you know the same TV you have instead of buying a phone because I didn't really need a phone. Really. Yeah, most I mean, of Annie did, but I was just like. It's something I'll use every day. I don't know. It, it's interesting, but I think you're going to see a bunch of 4K HDR be more affordable this year with the Xbox well, that's One why I'm too, yeah. and, and with the, I mean, but we'll see. And that's going to be a Black Friday thing, but how big of an impact is that going to have on HDR 4K adoption in comparison to Xbox One X and PS4 Pro adoption? Yeah. And if they, or if it's going to be cinephiles more, but I don't know. It's going to be a weird thing because 4K Blu-rays still don't have a, a, like a normal standard. Sometimes they're literally just put on a 4K Blu-ray and upscaled. Ugh. Yeah, that's a weird thing. There's like no standard set for it, which was similar to what was going on in Blu-ray days when they'd put a DVD on a Blu-ray and then it wouldn't be anything special. It would just be the DVD on a Blu-ray disc. So that's a weird thing. But I mean, I can definitely see why you wouldn't love it. Uh, I'm going to fly through the rest of the news. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment have announced the formation of Port Key Games, the new Harry Potter games label, to oversee uh <clears throat> the release of a series of mobile and console game experiences in the Harry Potter universe. Interesting. Warner brothers has handled a lot of, a, a lot of licenses very, very carefully and very well. I think while there's a couple people who are split on, on uh shadow, you know, shadow of war, shadow of Mordor, the middle earth games, 
they've mostly done well for them. The Batman games obviously were great uses of that license. That's true. Uh, they've typically done very well with their licensed games. So it's going to be we'll, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I just it, it, mobile scary, but it also may just be partnership with uh, the people who made. I can't remember their name. It's like Niacom or something like that. The people who made uh, Pokemon Go. Yeah, Niacom. Uh, anyway, they were they're apparently making a Harry Potter ish style of that game. So it's going to be Harry Potter. It's going to be similar. I don't know. The Pokemon go. Yeah. Maybe uh. that you're catching monsters. I don't really know what the point of it is, but I saw that. So interesting. Uh, next thing up in it's mid-year financial check. In uh, I, I misspelled. Uh, anyway, it's mid-year financial check, financial check in Ubisoft announced that for the first time ever, the player recurring investment side of their business, which incorporates in-game item sales, DLC season passes and subscriptions has brought in revenue, uh, brought in more revenue than the sale of games digitally. Both numbers were up year over year, uh, but this is unprecedented. This is interesting because it kind of feeds into the main topic and some of the things we're talking about with the current development cycle. Um, but we'll get into that in a minute. It's just I thought it was interesting to put on here. And, of course, we're going to touch base on kind of how we feel about it in a way. It's interesting because, like I said, digital games are, are up up as well. So we're starting to see more of that shift. In, in di- oh, South Park, apparently half of South Park was sold digitally. Kind of crazy. That is 35% really crazy. of Assassin's Creed Origins was sold digitally, whereas Syndicate, only 15% of the copies were sold digitally. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, Especially, they're both Ubisoft games, aren't they? Yeah, those are all Ubisoft games. Yeah. Um, they, specifically, they were mentioned in the article. Oh, well, um, I guess that makes sense because yeah. we're talking about Ubisoft. But I just thought it was interesting that 50, 50% of South Park, that's a lot. That's really good for them. I'm still curious to see how well South Park did. Uh, next thing, Sony have launched a redesigned PlayStation app. Don't know if you've checked it out yet. It looks like uh, Facebook. It brings it more in line with most social media apps, attempting to make it easier to navigate than before. I don't mind it. I don't. It's not easy relearning to it. it re, well, it's not easier to navigate for you because we knew how to navigate the old one. I guess that's so. been my issue. Uh, I'm trying to look in certain areas, but I think that to an extent, for people who've never used a PlayStation app or are just jumping in, it's going to make more sense to them. But we'll see. Um, we talked about last episode, and of course, right after we started talking about it, they made an announcement. Media Molecule have officially announced that Dreams will be present at PSX, though more information was not given. Time will tell if we get a new slice of gameplay and or a release date, something like that. Uh, Warframe's new update, Planes of Eidolon, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, is coming to PS4 on November 14th and brings with it an all-new social hub area and the first open-world area to explore in the game alongside a group of up to four friends. That includes other things that I didn't put in here, like uh, job systems and stuff like fishing and armor crafting and stuff like that. Um, again, I don't know, actually know if armor crafting is one. They specifically mentioned fishing, but there's going to be a job system, which is interesting. I think it's a weird it's a weird but good way to differentiate them from, from more than just a third-person version of a Destiny-style game. It almost starts to pull a little more towards MMO. Which is with jobs, yeah, that's super weird. Yeah. Or interesting, not badly weird. Yeah, it, no, it's it's weird, but not in a bad way. That's yeah. the best way that I've found the word. And then lastly, speaking of PSX a little bit earlier, PlayStation have announced that the PSX keynote this year will be smaller scale in comparison to previous years. In a quote from social media director Sid Schumann, he said, we're not calling it a showcase given that we're coming a few weeks off of Paris Games Week, but we'll have some cool content to share, end quote. The keynote, the keynote has also been moved to Friday night instead of Saturday morning like it's traditionally been. Now, sucks, not surprising. I was really curious how they would have enough content to fill a legit keynote or showcase for PSX. 
Uh, I, it is a little weird that they're moving this to Friday on such short notice. I feel like that's something they should have been up front with before you bought tickets. Yeah. Uh, before, cause, cause I planned to fly in on Friday. Right. Now I'm going to miss if you can even get in to see the keynote or if it's just going to be online only kind of like a direct. Yeah. Don't, you're, you're don't really it. know, but I'm going to miss it if it is available. Uh, it's a weird thing. I just feel like that's, that's the problem I had the most with it is why they didn't talk about this months ago. Uh, when they started talking about it being a thing and selling, I'm sure there's reasons. Like, of course, it gets people in the door a little bit quicker. Um, people are a little less wanting to. Like, people will still line up early, but I felt like before it was lining up early to make sure that you got in the showcase because there's limited room. Yeah. Um, and then they open up the show floor after the show the showcase was done. Uh, my assumption is that now Saturday you'll just go straight into the floor and you'll have more time to spend with the games, which in a in a way is good. Um, yeah, that's true. And my experience at PSX last year was very interesting. I spent the majority of the time at indie booths because I just didn't see the point in waiting in huge long lines to play one game that would be coming out in, months, in a few months anyway. Like, the hugest line for uh, Horizon. And that was in, what, that's December and Horizon came out in March. Fe- fe- or March, yeah. It may have been February. Anyway, I think it was March. Uh, but either way, just not enough for me. But the biggest thing I saw was there was a pretty big line to play The Last Guardian, which came out like a week after PSX. Ugh. Or the week before. One of the two. I was like, I just don't get this. Yeah. I don't know why you would do this. I, it, it didn't make sense to me at all. But anyway, that's my thing. And I'm a little irked that they wouldn't just come out and say this. I still expect PSX to be fun. I know we're going to have fun doing it because it's going to be fun for us to just kind of do stuff. We have a lot of cool plans. For people who listen to the show who are going to be there, uh, we're going to have some cool things to give away as kind of our plan and also to kind of make some content. So if you want to be on uh some of the content that we're going to be putting out throughout the week following PSX and you want to meet up with us, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Uh, we're going to you say us, but I won't be there. Me and blaze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sucks to see, but yes, yeah, all will definitely not be able to make it now. We know for sure, which I guess is good because the not knowing kind of sucks yeah. more than just having a, a, a real a answer. Straight up answer. It's yeah. unfortunate. That you and we can't pretty go. much told everybody already through Twitter and like, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that chat. you can't go, but I, I wish you would have been able to, but maybe next year, you know, yeah. or, or something else. We'll figure, we'll figure it out one of these days. Maybe one of these days we can go to like a PAX or something. I'll say E3. We'll see if they restructure E3 to be better handled for consumers. Yeah. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll see. Uh, so anyway, that's it for the news and the main news piece obviously, which is going to be the last one, so I'll save it this way, is that EA have bought Respawn. Yep. Uh, now, this is all... Now, this is me paraphrasing the article. I just read it recently enough. I didn't feel the need to pull it up. So, this comes after the company that's a Chinese company that uh, produced... Nexum. Nexum, something like that. Anyway, they produced the uh, the Titanfall game for mobile game, like for mobile handhelds or phones, I guess. Uh, anyway, they offered to outright buy Respawn uh, for $400 million. Okay. Which is nuts. EA, because of their contract that they had set up as a uh, partners uh, with EA program that Respawn was under, gave them the ability to offer to counter offer like forty four million. Well, they just they could they could ma- they could, they, they exercised their right to match the offer, and then they in, in the long run ended up outbidding. Um, so first thing I want to clear up is that it's actually something that Jason Schreier went back to and kind of talked. I knew that it was this way because we see a lot of things behind scenes and no business decisions are made that quickly. Um, but a lot of people are kind of screaming, what the hell you buy respawn three weeks after closing visceral. Like what's going yeah, on. I thought that I had that thought too. Uh, but basically what happened is that the Nikon thing Went down. Nexum. EA knew. Yeah, Nexum, sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Chinese company. They That thing happened. Korean EA company. found out. EA exercised their right to counterbid. 
and match the bid and then counter bid. They did that in the time in between negotiations. Stuff has started happening with Visceral. Visceral ended up getting shut down. And it was very quickly, if you remember. Uh, yeah. Again, now, you don't know what the back-end decision of that was, if it was a snap decision or if it was long well, thrown out. I still firmly believe they closed it because they're going to work on a Respawn Star Wars game instead. And then they're going to use their salvage bits and pieces I of I see both. the argument, but the, the other game's still in development, is the, is the weird thing. Uh, the, the game that Visceral was working on, the game was just taken over. That's what I'm saying. They're probably going to take bits and pieces from that team, development and that team, and then move them to Respawn. Yeah. We'll see, because they're talking about letting this, that one be a little different, where it's Respawn... And what their strengths have been so far is going to be a good, a, a good multiplayer element. And then, as we see, they are capable of a very strong campaign. God, give me another Republic Commando. And here's your other, the other reason I think it's going to be very narrative driven. It's the the person who is directing the game is Stigus Musin, and he is the director for God of War Three, which is a very narrative driven game, uh, very focused. I mean, I think that we're going to see them put out a linear game. Uh, to what extent and to who you play as, of course, waits to be seen until we get an official announcement. But I did think it was interesting. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure how that's going to fall. But right now, we do know that Visceral's game is living on under this new developer that was supporting them in development. Yeah, um, they've taken over the role of lead development. And it is so. How much that game changes and what it ends up being, who knows? But I do think that right now, until we see something that leads to a little more evidence that respawn uh, game is just going to be the main star wars game i'm going to wait to to say anything well, on respawn's website um yesterday the day before vince did write out a um uh, a article and he did say that him and uh, lucas films are still in good standing and the development's going good so cool. i know there at least be there may actually be two star wars games if they don't salvage visual into this one yeah because we'll that's see why, that's we'll why see because you know ea yeah ea has the rights right now they have the license for star all star wars, wars games and frostbite they're gonna make everything in Frostbite. It's gonna be garbage, <laughs> you know. But they've been making this EA game. I know, for a while. I know. Again, I just, they, and I didn't even think about that when I said that earlier. But really, how does that end up playing out? It's gonna be a weird situation. But moving on to what the main true. idea of this topic is, the way I kind of approached it when I first heard it is, what does this really mean for Respawn? Because originally, like I've already mentioned, they're connection with EA was through this partners with EA program that EA has going on where they publish the game uh, but Respawn held uh, held the IP. life out of it first they held the, yeah <laughs> you know who knows I, I thought Titanfall 2 was much better than Titanfall 1 oh yeah uh, though there's people that say the multiplayer wasn't well I'm talking about EA sucks the life out of it I get what you're saying okay, but, not Respawn, but, Respawn, uh, but I'm saying is like right now with the partnership that's already been in existence I thought you actually saw the team grow in, in a positive way I thought you saw the game and the series and the IP grow in a good way. So before, originally, the, it was set up to where Respawn would retain uh, ownership of the IP. They would have creative control to do more or less what they wanted to do, uh, is my understanding. I could be wrong on that. From everything I've seen, though, that's, that was the reason I, I they think, wanted to do it because I think when right. Vince left uh, Activision, that was one of the big things. He wanted to make the game he wanted to make, and he didn't want anybody to tell him. What uh, to do, yeah. and, he's, and he's an industry veteran. And of has course, made a he lot created, of games. He helped create Call of Duty. Like, yeah. And I think he Dude's created Medal good. of Honor, or he at least was very heavily influenced in working on it. Because uh, then he moved off. And, you know, Medal of Honor never, was the first shooter. Never heard of that, so I don't know about that. It was something interesting I looked into randomly whenever I was looking into Respawn one day, because they had like an interview after Titanfall 2. Uh, I'm fairly positive I'm right on that. He was at least somehow connected with Medal of Honor's development and then moved on to create Call of Duty. Huh. So, it was him and James West? Something like that. And yeah, James West after having some family troubles left the company respawn in like 2014, something like that. Uh, anyway, past all that, we're seeing that 
now that this buyout has happened, Jason West, Jason West, thank you. Um, anyway, now that that buyout ha- has happened, you assume, and we haven't heard too much, or at least not since the time of this recording, have I seen anything saying otherwise? Obviously, one of the things that's going to happen is that now it's highly likely that EA owns Titanfall because they own the studio. Right. So anything the studio owns naturally goes to EA. Should be the workflow. Again, you don't really know how stuff like that works, but it should be that if they're under the corporate umbrella of EA, EA now retains that IP, regardless of what happens to Respawn. Um, So with that being said, do you think that the trust and the setup of the partnership with EA program that they had going, do you think they carry the trust of letting him make the game he wants to make Forward, even I, after we saw um, that apparently you know, Titanfall 2 did not meet expectations, but in an article a couple weeks ago, they said despite not meeting expectations, it still sold very well. Right, yeah, it, it has a really good like cult fan base to it, but I don't think that Vince would have joined on with EA if he didn't think that, but then again, I think only time will tell at the same time. Exactly, because my, my curiosity here was why the hard switch? Because originally the whole point of them being a partner was that they would retain the IP. If they stopped enjoying working with EA, they could leave. If they wanted to keep working moving forward, they could just keep moving forward with them and still yeah. retain the IP and still re- maintain their ind- independent status. Right now, so, and now, now they're, now they they're sucked in. So what you wonder is one of the things that's been hot lately and mostly as a reaction and and kind of a reasoning and talking about why uh, microtransactions are so prevalent in today's gaming yeah. uh, is that cost of development has continued to rise. We saw it rise when HD first boosted in. The Xbox 360, PS3 gen saw a big rise in development cost. And then we saw an even bigger rise in development cost when we get to the PS4 and Xbox One. So with that being said, and as games continue to raise the bar technologically and performance wise. And we're seeing more people have to do performance capture, which just adds to, you know, instead of it being voice acting before more, more studios are opting towards, uh, one on one in one voice and motion capture at the same time. Which that's is, what we're seeing in God yeah. of war. That's exactly why they got rid of the original Kratos voice actor and moved to the new guy because the original Kratos voice actor was not very big. He wouldn't have been able to do the role and it look and feel right, which sucks too at the same time. It, it, it sucks, but who knows? I'm hoping that, you know, I actually thought that, um, and I, the guy's a musician and I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but anyway, I thought he was a fantastic Kratos. And while some people say that Kratos was one dimensional, I thought that he did a good job of portraying Kratos to be more than that. Uh, but that is a personal opinion. I get that some people think differently. Um, but regardless, it's, it, we're seeing more and more companies move towards that. We saw Naughty Dog do it. Naughty Dog were one of the pioneers in that. Uh, and as they continue to do that, they even did it with Vita. I just, I just wanted you to know that they did it on our uncharted, uh, which wasn't Naughty Dog, but, Uncharted as the franchise retained the voice and motion capture at the same time for Golden Abyss. I just thought that was wild uh, and really that is, cool. That is crazy. Um, so anyway, with all that being said, it comes back around to why the shift? Is it because of the current climate? Is it because with cost of development rising, the chance of taking big risk and them not panning out could mean the closure of the studio? Is it Vince taking a step back? And I want to mention right now, this is all just conjecture. This is all just us looking and being like, from what we see, could this be a reason? If it is, I think it makes sense. 
I wonder if it was Vince looking back and going, here's a studio that I've cultivated from the ground up. I the jobs of a lot of people are in my hands. These are great developers. We've been working with them. They have helped me make these dreams that I had for games come true. They've made Titanfall a series for him. And regardless of sales, I'm sure he's very proud of that series. So with all that, was it coming down on him that I think I need to sell so that if things happen, at least we have a little bit of security by being under a corporate umbrella because companies do not kill kill studios easily but right. an independent studio cannot survive without yeah. if they have too many bad things that happen in a row and they can't get anybody else to fund their games then they have to to hope and take the chance of self-publishing and then self-publishing you run the chance of you assume all the financial risk and you also assume all the financial reward um so it could potentially kill them it could potentially save them you know what i mean it's it's a weird situation but they're making triple a titles and unlike Ninja Theory, who used AAA values but found ways to kind of streamline that development for a super linear game, right? how does that go back to a shooter game that trying to use AAA values? Uh, you know, how does that happen? Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. So I, I think my conjecture on it is that it ties largely into what's going on in gaming and games development right now, and it's Vince taking a step back and going, here's these offers. These offers are good. And and the EA offer also included like stock options and all of sorts course, of stuff. Yeah. So great for them. You know what I mean? I think it creates a stronger foundation for his employees to sit on. Yeah. And and security for the majority of the employees. Yes, things may happen that scale down, but that already happens in independent studios. So I think and definitely with the the thing happening with Star Wars, it's probably a mixture of that. And then probably a really good chance that they've just been enjoying working with EA. And, and while that sounds wild, there are people who say that they love working with PlayStation to do indie stuff. And then people who say it's been awful. No experience is the same for two developers. So maybe even though some people go working with EA has been kind of hell, maybe particularly Respawn have had no issues. And maybe EA's always respected events and his, his, his decisions and his vision moving forward. And maybe Titanfall's always gotten close enough to sales numbers and reviewed well enough that it still keeps him in favor. I saw a conspiracy theory that uh, EA actually had controlling power over Titanfall 2's release date and that they released it next to Battlefield 1 specifically to fail so they could buy the company out after it didn't have good sales. Oh, that. Yeah. See, what I've seen is a conspiracy theory that they specifically did two games of theirs in a row to weaken Infinite Warfare that much more, which is interesting because Infinite Warfare did see less sales than Standard, even if it sold better than anything else. Speaking of which, World War II... (laughs) <laughs> has blown the opening weekend out. What do you mean? Like sales-wise? Yes. It has outsold both Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. I did see this. I did yeah, see this. and Wonder Woman combined. That's not surprising. It's huge, apparently. Uh, now, um, did you see that their servers were down? I don't blame it. <laughs> I don't think I've played a Call of Duty game at launch and the servers uh, have been down like that since Call of Duty 4. I don't think that's ever... Yeah. It's never been like that since Call of Duty 4. Um... Which kind of unle- lets me unpin that right there. I may actually go against what I said and buy that game. Oh, because the sales numbers are strong? No, because of the microtransaction system in the game. Oh, what happened? Did okay. something? Okay, so you know so, how? I mean, so I guess you know this does tie into the main topic of where's gaming at right now. You know, that's yeah, that's where it, the respawn thing just moves into. Super... What is what is the status of development right now? Now I know that for anybody who's just joining us, 
I was not going to buy Call of Duty World War Two because I just feel like World War Two has been done enough in games, right? And it doesn't particularly interest me. And then it really steered its interest away from me when they announced that it was going to include the storming of Normandy. I just feel like it's been overplayed. I love it. Medal of Honor did it on PS One. I, I love it. Every game, every World War Two game is. It, but it. there's it's so, so good. much more so good, in though. in World War Two. I just wish that they would take the opportunity I mean, to go. I, I, I World agree. War Two is a huge period. Why can't we move it and be the first people to have a story set somewhere else? I agree completely. I just love Normandy Beach. Um, so anyway, but moving off of that, he was. I he, wasn't going to buy it. I still think it's going to be a good game. I just don't think it's a game for me. Saul wasn't going to buy it because, because of, of the microtransactions. The now. There has been new light since the game has come out, and I can now fully understand what they are. So, one thing major is that I don't condone microtransactions. Um, I don't like microtransactions, specifically in first-person shooter games that have multiplayer that can provide stat bonuses. Um, Okay, so I want to take a step back, and I think that the best way to word what you just said, and it's actually, if and at first I was going to say I disagree with you slightly, but now I think it's that I'm actually in agreement with you if you agree with this statement. It's not so much that you don't like microtransactions as much as it is that you don't like free to play. You don't like pay to win. Exactly. Oh, I've said it before. Overwatch does a great job. Because that's what, what I was does. about to say. I think that there, even though microtransactions have been the the you know punching bag for a lot of stuff. Sometimes, in the past few months, yeah. I think there's been a lot of games that have handled it responsibly. I think that Shadow of War ultimately handled it responsibly. I, 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 I think so far that. Assassin's Creed Origins has handled I mean, it very Destiny, responsibly. Destiny 2 uh, Destiny's good. handled it responsibly enough. Uh, and I think that you've seen it like uh, Overwatch. Like you say, Overwatch, Overwatch has been a continued fa- is always my favorite example because I don't like microtransactions. I ragged on Final Fantasy 15 so much because of just the amount of DLC they had. Not really microtransactions. Again, and but I, yeah, but still, it's uh, it's like that's why I like the wording specifically that Ubisoft used in their little report where it said player recurring. Like all it is is anything that can bring the player back. So, but yeah. Battlefront 2 actually has stat bonuses. And I was I was asking him about this as being the main topic. Somebody has the game, and they have a his name is um, X Gamer something on YouTube. If you just type in, uh, it's been on the front page of Reddit all week. It's been on the front page of YouTube all week. If you just type in Battlefront Two, pay to win. It's the first video. He got a Starfighter jet to like level fifteen in in like no time at all, and it showed that nobody could t- uh, target him because of the stuff he bought with loot boxes. He could kill people faster because of the stuff he bought with loot boxes. He yeah. spent ninety nine dollars on loot boxes and ga- had a huge advantage over everybody else. Yeah. That's the stuff I don't like. So when World War II was coming out and people were kind of saying microtransactions and all this kind of stuff, it scared you off. It, well, because it's may it may very well do it in the in the future, but other Call of Duty games have done that where you get the loot boxes and you get the better weapons. Yeah, uh, like you have, we well, talked about it before, where you had the epic weapons that give like you know faster. And you know, that's one thing I don't know. So epic weapons were specifically locked behind loot boxes. Is that a thing? Uh, now that I don't know, I haven't delved that deep into it, but I do know that right now there is no weapon or stat boosting uh, Good. item. So even it. regardless of whether you can get it naturally or not, you're saying that the that the ability to buy automatically skews your chances of getting items that can help you, even if you can still naturally get them in the game. Right, and see, and my, I agree with that. My thing is, is that like I don't think people actually do that. Like I don't think people spend. I mean, I'm sure there's there are people, but I don't think it's a huge majority of people who buy those. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a majority because did you, you see the article on Mass Effect Three where somebody spent fifteen thousand? Yeah, fifteen thousand dollars on wild. like on that dead game, but. Um, because unless Mass Effect 3's multiplayer is still up. But well, I don't think it was recent. I think that was just a, a, a story from 
no, no, post development. Back, back, yeah. you know, back in 2013 or 12. Um, now the other big problem was, was, and this is laughable now, but I said that I did not like the fact that you could literally get microtransaction stuff by watching other people do it. Oh yeah. So do you know how that works? No, it's laughable. It's it's not nearly as bad as what I thought it was. And I like to I'll admit when I'm wrong, and this is what I'm doing. So every time you like level up in the game, uh, you go out into the uh, the hub world, which actually looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and I don't fact care for shooting range, games, but I think it's a smart it, idea. It has like shooting range and one on one in between matches. That's kind of cool. But you get loot uh, loot boxes that drop down, and then you get like these little these little. It's reminiscent of Star Wars, and that's what I don't like to say, but it's like star cards. It's like there's three cards, and then they rotate, and then they flip around. Okay. You complete challenges in Call of Duty by doing certain things, almost like bounties in Destiny 2 now. You go to a specific person, he has he has millions of you know challenges, you complete them, you get XP, you level up. Sure. That's just one of the challenges. You just watch somebody open a crate. Okay. So but it doesn't the actually... challenge can eventually earn you a loot box but you don't specifically get it you don't you can't sit there and continue what i had in my mind and from articles i read was that you can just watch somebody open box after box after box to get to get your own that's what i thought it was and that does go back to and i you remember when i told you i I felt like you were being a little unfair on microtransactions because you let it become this boogeyman word and yeah and see it it is i mean it is to an extent because there are games where it should never become a free-to-play it should never become i mean Pay to win. Yeah, pay to win. It should never have multiplayer advantages of any kind. And you should never, if you do have things in these blue boxes that are anything, they should be obtainable in-game and to purchase. Like Destiny does it, like Overwatch does it. You don't, you can't just get them by buying them. They, they shouldn't be specifically specific Locked items. behind a loot box? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. That's, that's where I draw the line. And the way we fit this into this kind of conversation. Or that you can buy it with in-game currency. Because that's like the other thing. It's like, yeah, you still get it, but the store works with in-game currency. That's what that I mean with Destiny. Naturally. Yeah, Bright Ingrams. Exactly. So you yeah. get Bright Ingrams Call by leveling Duty up. leveling up, and then uh, every time you level up in Overwatch. Because they are up, locked uh, behind crate. Eververse still in Destiny 2. But, but behind, uh, you can naturally get Eververse uh, currency. Ingrams. So, yeah. yeah. And if you don't like, you know, and you can also break down Eververse items dust. to get your Bright Dust. Yeah. Exactly. So you do it both ways. And see, and this is what, this is the big thing about the topic this week is that is cost of development going so high? Is this why we're seeing microtransactions? Is that they basically a, it's a been offset? it's basically been confirmed by a couple of people that games cost so much. And I don't wrong, I get it. I understood from get go the re, some people go it's greedy businesses wanting to make as much money as they can. While that's ultimately true because all businesses have to make as much money as they can, it's not always greed. Sometimes it's because they have a bunch of employees that it's, are responsible. It, certain studios are certainly um, are certainly liable for that too where they will release a game like battlefront last year i think you could pay was it battlefront or battlefield it was one ea game last year you could spend 150 dollars on at, like they have launch evolve oh evolve you could literally buy 150 2k game <laughs> yeah 2k not ea but yeah um you could literally buy that game and ha- has a collector's edition or whatever online digital only with all this stuff in it for 150 bucks it's just like and then they had skins on there for weapons for 299 a piece like, See, that's corrupt to me. Well, and every game has its limit. You got to find the balance of what it, people it, are willing it's, to pay it's every to company, what return, every what return game, you're going to get. Yeah, and it's it's something I see much more now. And this is like I said, I'm admitting that I'm wrong, um, just because it's interesting. Because people are saying Call of Duty War at War. Like I was, I was going into reviews purposely to hear about microtransactions. They were like the worst things. That they don't have a lot of maps. 
Like, are you serious? Like, that's a good thing for you. Like, to people complain about Call of Duty now is lack of maps. And people said it's a great callback to the game it once was and stuff like that. So it got me pumped up. And, of course, we did have a generous subscriber um, with an early Christmas present to us. That um, Oh, and you're going all digital. That's something I guess we we haven't talked about. Right. I'm pretty what much What me and Saul have talked about is that he's getting to a point where he's going to go all digital moving forward. Yeah, Something much. I am in very stark contrast to. I'm only going to go digital when my Sony Rewards will help me get stuff. Yeah. And there's a, there's a chance I just use Sony Rewards to save to get new consoles and stuff as they come out. Right. Who knows? I don't really know. Because I have Stick of Truth, obviously, but I was playing Final Fantasy fourteen. It's not digital, but I did a little trick you could do. To, we don't need the disc. Yeah. So okay. um, I don't need the disc to play, so that's pretty much digital. Uh, I would have gotten Destiny 2 digital probably if I didn't get the Collector's Edition or the Limited Edition, you know, whatever the heck that was. Um. But I'm pretty much, I'm going to probably buy, I got 25 bucks um, of a gift card that I can use to get Call of Duty World War II. That means I only pay like 40 bucks after tax. I got uh, and that's the price I'd pay for that kind of game. Uh, like, I'd probably pay 40 bucks for Shadow of War. I'll probably pay 40 bucks next year or whenever it goes cheap for Battlefront 2 just to play the campaign. And, if you it know, go, one if or two hours. The, if it goes of, to 30, I'll play it. Yeah, I'll play one it. or two hours of multiplayer or a little bit more than, than the campaign is something I would consider worth. I'll say I'll try it again since I didn't play the beta. I would try it again, but I wasn't a fan of the first games. The, no, the beta, dude, the beta, I really hope that I have more fun than I did in the beta. The beta was boring. Well, that's interesting. Well, okay, I mean, let's go over what a couple people said in response to it, and then we can kind of continue on what we we're talking about. But we specifically talked about, you know, where is gaming now, and then also, you know, the EA Partners program ending between Respawn and them, and them just going under the corporate umbrella. Uh, Liam... Uh, who is apparently playing Far Cry Primal. Good for you, Liam. It's a great game. Um, he's, he's posted a picture I was telling you about. It's always think of this when I hear EA, and it's victims of EA. It's, it's all the studios. I forgot about Pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Pandemic were the people that made the original Battlefront series. Yeah. and um, So it's wild. Uh, anyway, there's a bunch of games on here like Black Box. And Black yeah. Box, as far as I know, is still in is still in existence. They just don't get to make their own games anymore. They, all, they make uh, MMOs and all multiplayer and like... Is it like Korean MMOs? I don't think so. Because it, it, uh, like they made it makes, they, they made Need for Speed Online, which is funny because it was like is that the new one? It was the two cities from Carbon and Most Wanted shoved together, which are both games made by Black Box, and you could play it online. And it, it was actually a really cool. New Need for Speed game sucks. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Always oh, got some terrible reviews. Yeah, but that I don't. I don't you know, I don't blame anything off of. I don't. Reviews. I don't typically do that unless no wrong. We want to, but this I, is you mass. Know, you know, I, I pre-ordered it. But I've not picked it up. I well, think that's a because I'm being more responsible with my money right now, specifically because of Hannah. Yeah. If if Hannah was working, I would I would have picked it up even to try it because you know I'm a big believer of reviews cannot tell me anything. Drake and Guard Three got a five from Game Informer or a six, one of the two. And while I kind of understood it, like and don't be wrong, I knew I was buying that game anyway, so I bought it. But then I looked back at reviews and reviews were very negative or very low, and and I was like. The game runs like crap, and it looks like crap sometimes, but it's a great story, and it's really fun. Uh, well, and yeah. I was like, that, that's what it comes down to. The combat's fantastic, and the story's great, which is really what I'm looking for when I play a Draken card or any any Yoko Taro game. So that's specifically my thing, is it just goes a weird way. What is that? I can't read that from here. That's Visceral. Okay, I was like, that that that, that logo's too familiar. Yeah, yeah, that's Visceral. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on, on stuff happening like that. But anyway, um, let's see. Oh, Turnip Lord. He said Titanfall 2 did terrible, and I'm guessing the mobile game did too. More than likely, the main people will take the money, jump ship, and within six months, uh, EA will close the studio after another Titanfall game sells poorly. Uh, now, at the time, I don't think he was realizing because I. Team Fortress 2. 
So I was like, when I went, too, I was like, oh, I was like, why? Why did he say Team Fortress Two? When I typed in TF Two, I did the same thing. I was like, if I feel like this is Team Fortress, I read that comment as Team Fortress Two. Just now, I'm like, what? Yeah. So anyway, but Titanfall Two. Uh, but I did say that I, I, I'm assuming he did not see um, the response uh, with the article saying that the game did sell well despite not meeting expectations. Now, of course, my reserve is what is well versus what the expectations were. Did it only fall short by like five hundred thousand, which is a lot. Ultimately, or did it fall right. short, or was it like the expectations were ten million and it sold nine million? Yeah, because again, that's not bad. And as long as the game fa- it, reviewed favorably, which it did, it, I mean, it might have a good reason. Um, it's just, or they might have a good reason for saying. There's a lot to be said about Titanfall three and when it's poised to come out. Dude, because Titanfall two was legitimate good fun for like twenty hours. It just got super stale. After it was that. a very fun game, and I loved it. I mean, storyline alone, and then I did play the multiplayer, and I had a little bit of fun, but it wasn't something that pulled me back in. But most games don't, so it's no offense to the game. Um, <laughs> Thorico, uh, one of our listeners, does some cool fan art. He said, "Probably going to turn sour." Again, I understand the the thought behind it. I'm hoping it doesn't. I think Respawn have proved that they can be a really very interesting developer, and I definitely want to see Star Wars come to fruition before I make a definitive decision on whether I think they're a fantastic studio or not. Right. I think they're right on the cusp of it, and as long as they continue, if Titanfall 3 is just as good as 2 was, or at least close, and if Star Wars proves to be very good, I, I, will, I think EA will do well to keep them around, but we'll see. Um... No Fate said Titanfall 2 was better in fall 2016. I feel someone sacrificed TF2's launch in order to add more pressure on Call of Duty Infinite Warfare sales, which is like something I already said. It was almost obvious, uh, but it was also like you're li- you're leaving this franchise that's too young to bleed at the hands of two very mainstay franchises. Yeah. Uh, but hey, if their if their main thing was to try and shake up Call of Duty sales, it worked, but it didn't work for long enough because. World War Two just fucking killed. So yeah, five hundred um, million. I think is how many uh, or the amount or the amount of copies. I think it's the amount. Oh, who knows, man? But Titanfall three is this is continuing no face saying Titanfall three deserves a proper chance this time around. But I fear EA may be too focused on Star Wars license to care. We'll see. You know, it's it's going to be a thing of how far is Titanfall three in the development and how far is Star Wars in development and which one will come first is yeah. part of it. Um, naturally, they're not going to want to sit on the game for too terribly long. No, uh, but I think if they give it a, more of a chance now, especially everybody knows that uh, Titanfall three is a thing. Yeah, and Titanfall two reviewed well enough that in retrospect, it may be enough of a word of mouth thing for people to hop into three. We'll see. Um, and then lastly, a uh, new listener W squared, which I love. His oh, name's name is W squared. I know. Um, good name. He's a rapper. That's a. That's and he uses Mixcraft, which I can appreciate because I use Mixcraft for all of my music stuff. Uh, anyway, he says EA is slowly absorbing as many companies and IPs as they can. They are truly trying to become a publishing superpower. Makes sense. Oh yeah, Ubisoft a, is trying to do it too. A publishing monopoly, basically. But as, yeah, you know, yeah, be far but, yeah, from it. A, but, yeah. a superpower because it's going to be impossible to be a monopoly. You know, definitely when you have so many exclusives reigning supreme. I um, but I think those were all very interesting things. Bankruptcy. <laughs> Got that office thrown yeah. back. But so one last thing that we didn't talk on that I know we have to talk on is the reader mail. Holy crap. And I guess the last thing to say is that obviously... Well, it, yeah, there was only two questions. And one, how, yeah, but, how did I forget Dan? Uh, to wrap up the main topic, obviously we don't quite know what's going on behind the scenes for games. It's obvious enough that games are expensive. 
I don't think anybody's trying to fight that. Uh, and it's interesting that some of these budget games are doing so well, like Nier. Nier did not have a huge budget, Nier Automata. Uh, but two million for it is excessively good sales because it didn't, it wasn't expected to sell near that much. No. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, one million was probably over their sales expectations. Yeah. Uh, and that they knew what they were getting into due to the, sales of near one they knew it was a niche title they took a chance and this is a perfect example of where smaller budgeted games do a great job and they look good enough i mean i actually thought near automata was a very beautiful game in its own right was it quite triple a for standard game for modern games no but it was good enough uh but that game sold extremely well so we're seeing games that had smaller budgets do much better uh all you hope is that they don't get too big ahead in that near automata uh its sequel that's supposedly in development uh receives a modest budget with the hopes that it breaks sales expectations again, but I want to see them keep expectations in check. And again, just keep hoping that the game breaks these expectations. They can move the expectation line up a little bit. Right. But not too far, but not too far, you know, and keep the budget in check with what that's going to be, because I don't think that you need more budget to make a game near Tomata was not amazing because of how it, beautiful it was or because yeah. it, it, nothing to do with budget. It was all in the creativity and the teams behind it, knowing what they wanted to do. Um, so again, I hope that that's kind of the way we see moving forward is smaller games getting chances at life and a big thing. But of course, tr- AAA development, as we know, it is important, definitely important to technology, uh, te- technology moving forward with games, as you see Naruto continue to push, but they're also not hurting. So it'll yeah. just be an interesting to do. But um, right. what and is that last Well, I was going to say, and I, I, took, I took the chance out to kind of get on my, soap, my soapbox and... Um, Kind of let you guys know how I felt about microtransactions in the, in a kind of turn of events that yeah. uh, I'm happy to too see. wrong to jump on, I, and I'm happy to see that because I mean like I felt that you were a little unfair, but I wanted to see until the games came out. Yeah, because I I mean when you have and clear it, advantages, at least you're at least you're admitting that you you know that's what I mean. Yeah, nothing wrong with saying something. You can always change your mind when you get more evidence. That's true, and it just it feels like a weird year for it to get cold outside, and for me not to be playing Call of Duty in November. It just it feels well. There super, you go. Go pick you up. Super weird. Go, go download it. You don't gotta uh, go pick it up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Dan, my name is Dan over there at Square XO, a yet another good PlayStation podcast. You guys should definitely go check out. Yeah. He yeah. says, "Yo, guys, I'd like to know with my name is Mayo just being released here. What are your thoughts on cheap and easy trophy hoarding games? Is there a place for them, or does it distill the skill out of obtaining platinum trophy? Much love." So, I don't care. <laughs> like, I really, like, there are some games I will draw a fine line for. Um, my, my Name is Mayo is more of a novelty game that I thought was pretty funny to get. Because um, it seems like it's one of those kind of games that you're a tro like, every big trophy hunter has them. So, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a badge of, honor, like, dishonor. Yeah, like, you know, I'll, I'll it. never get it. If it, you go, if you go like to PS, the point uh, of pride to me. If you go look at like somebody's trophies and they have like they have like a third, like they're like level twenty plus, and they have tons of platinums, go. They might have it. Like it's I'm a sure they probably there's probably a good chance. But games like the Hannah Montana game, the Orc Slayer game. Um, well, here's the thing. I games think, like that. I think there's games that have easy platinums, but my name is Mayo is unprecedented before it, and then we see games like this. Uh, you know, is there a purpose to my name is Mayo? No, it's I, was it was it just a platinum grab or was it yeah, just was basic, it something else? There? No, it's just a platinum grab. But, but you're massaging may- mayonnaise. You're, yeah, you're tapping a jar of mayonnaise as it continues to, to change clothes. Yeah, because like I got that. That was a fun break for me in between Sound and Shapes and Titan Souls. I think which to what, be fair, Sound Shapes is very grueling and Titan Souls Souls is grueling. Oh, but it, from what you, I know you remember it as fun. Oh, super um, super grueling, but yeah, fun too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, kind of like what you Bloodborne. the feeling you get out of Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that the, I mean go ahead like I'm not gonna be mad at them for making more of them. No, actually, what, what I thought was interesting is that it's just releasing in Europe, 
It's been almost a year. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh, did it come out last year? Yeah, that game's pretty old, man. Like it, it came out the end of last year. I'm very positive. Well, I, pretty old. I thought that. I thought that was pretty new. I thought it's old, old. No, like no, four years old, three no. years old. I mean, that's old enough that uh, I, I feel like for what the game is, it's weird that it just got out over there. I, I do um, like that they encourage the community. They they apply they apply themselves to a niche community that they know is there. I got you. Yeah, they're they're playing up the trophy community, right? And they're bringing a little more life to the trophy community. For some people, I'm sure my name is May will be the first platinum where people go. That's kind of interesting. I like to get in that platinum. Let That's me do it. Let me do it with a real like, game. I sit there with uh, was it my feet? No, it was PS4. I sit there and, like I was listening to a, a very old, kind of funny um, games cast. What's their off-topic podcast called? Oh, uh, Game of Greggy. Yeah, I watched a very old one when the old room, the old house. Yeah, I was just there, spamming X, listening to Colin, the voice that I miss so much. The voice of a generation. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, I don't know. My my feelings is that as a trophy hunter and someone who already was into it dropped out and came back to it i just think it's a little bit of a slap in the face but if it really is someone's encouragement to continue trophy hunting um and getting platinums i think that's cool as long as again you're responsible with trophy hunting i don't think you should lose your life to it um yeah i think that's pretty much the same way i think about it it's like you know it's, it's there because it, it's cool it's there because and i feel like it pushes me to give myself more value out of continuing to play a game that I normally would have moved on from because of the rapid release schedules we see. Now, of oh, course, yeah. this year it's been such a rapid release schedule I can't do anything about it. I've just kind of had to been dropping games and I'm going to start trying to platinum them hopefully in December. If December's not crazy, December, January time. Um, but that'll just be an interesting thing to see. I'm going to see if I can <laughs> platinum SteamWorld Dig. Excuse me. Because uh, I would have liked... I, I, I want to kind of platinum uh, Super Mother Load, but I'd have to have somebody play with me most likely. Uh, we'll just have to see. Regardless, I mean, I, I don't think it's completely awful, and I think there's reasons why it could be good. But I think, Dan, I would like to hear what your general opinion in, is on it because you have a lot more Platinums than I do. You've obviously been doing this a lot longer than I have. And I think that because of that, the weight of your thoughts are a little heavier than mine, even though I have like 34, 33 Platinums. Um, you're up in the hundreds. I, I, I have like 13. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, the salt. yeah, I think that you have a, a little bit bigger feel of how it makes you feel in comparison to the other games that you've platinumed, and you kind of know what to expect when you get into platinum. I think that the line's always kind of been weird. There are games, um, there are games like the Telltale games that give you the platinum just for beating it, typically, or if not just for beating it, very little addition, like, you know, additional stuff. Like Wolf Among Us had, where you had to get all of the journal entries, which you got from making yeah. different decisions, kind of. And there's even a missable trophy in another... Oh, never mind. I think what day is a tentacle. That's, that's oh, well, and then, that's... like, Life is Strange, you go back and there's things that you can get on the first playthrough, but... They that's are missing. That's what missable. I'm thinking of. They yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, so, I don't know. I think Days that, of Tentacle definitely has many missable trophies in there. So, yeah, so with that being said, it's like there are games that do them easily enough, and I think that those are games that, again, can get people started down the road of wanting the trophy hunt. It's like it's feel for being like, oh, that felt kind of good, but what's it like in a game that's a little bit harder to get? And yeah. then you kind of ramp you, you ramp it up that way. Uh, but I think that those games are a little more because you are doing something, whereas My Name is Mayo is literally just tapping a mayonnaise lid. I think it was a funny idea more than anything. I'm not mad at it for existing. I think it was an interesting way to do it, and I'm sure they made some money I needed to blow some steam between sound shapes, I'm telling you. So, yeah, I, I do think it's very interesting. But, yeah, Dan, I, if you get a chance, and I, I'll, probably just, just, I'll, I'll probably tweet back at you, actually, so in case you don't get around to being able to listen to this. Of course, I know I'm busy. I don't listen to every podcast I want to listen to anymore. Uh, but with all that being said, Saul, do you have any final thoughts that you for, would like to throw out here? 
For all you audio listeners and for people who throw us on YouTube without paying much attention, I want you to leave a comment. Let us know how our beautiful faces look with a new camera. Because this is We did get a new camera. camera, but we're moving towards getting new mics, mics and new sound. Too, we're so going to revamp the video side of our stuff and of think course episode will, six or seven when we change mics. Yeah, it's we'll be a see. Bit we'll see. Um and then of course it'll also help with the audio quality. Some well uh, sometimes you echo yeah, and I'm gonna try. I'm, I've been trying to work on that, but it's just a. It's just how fast I talk sometimes. How do I raise my voice? Yeah, it's not a big deal. It's but regardless, me. yeah, we are working on kind of ramping up production of the show or production values of the show for audio listeners and video listeners. But Saul, if that is it, then I would, I would like to wish everybody a good week until we come back with episode 34. That so, sounds good to me. I'm this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you very much. Thank you guys.